Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. First half, I'd like to welcome a special guest. We got Brandon Scoop Robinson. Yes, sir. Uh, reached out to the station and uh, we have him on the air knowledgeable, very knowledgeable on basketball. And actually, you know, uh, what do you like to go by, by the way? Call me whatever. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I appreciate Scoop, that. Scoop B, Brandon. I'm, my mama named me Brandon. People call me Scoop, so. Uh. So let's go with Scoop then since that's catchy anyway. There you go. So why don't you tell us a little about yourself and uh, let's know a little bit like what you're in Chicago, I know, until Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday. So basically, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson, the host of the Scoop B Radio uh, podcast. We got 3.5 million streams last year uh, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher app. Visit ScoopyRadio.com. Been in the business uh, since I was 12 years old. Had a radio show with the Nets when I was a kid. Uh, called Net Slam and Planet. Uh, in addition to Scoopy Radio, uh, senior writer at Basketball Society, uh, and also am uh, co-hosting a show that's on MSG Network back at home uh, called People Talking Sports. So I'm doing that, and um, I'm here in Chicago. I'm actually a brand ambassador for Zenny. If you pay attention to the Bulls, Zenny is the uh, sponsor of the Bulls. I've been a brand ambassador with them since like June. So I came out here this weekend. I sat with, I went to the game last night, and doing some stuff with the Bulls while I'm here, uh, brand wise, but. Uh, doing a whole press run. I'll be at a few places. And, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm here, man. I love basketball. I love talking about basketball. Broken a lot of NBA stories within the last nine, ten months. Uh, do your research. I don't want to brag. But at the same time, uh, I love Loyola. I love what you guys uh, did last year in the tournament. And uh, you guys have a, a pretty notable newsbreaker, uh, Sham Sharania. Yeah, he's a friend Sham of mine. Sharania. Yeah, he's uh, a friend of mine. I got to meet him during the uh, NCAA tournament run last year. I know him pretty well. Yeah, I actually beat Shams. I'm to shameless plug. I'm I'm bragging. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. So back in June, I broke that Dante Ingram was going to the summer league. I beat Shams by four minutes. Whoa! I st- I'm not letting him live it down. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's so. That's my claim to fame there. But yeah, Shams Shams a good guy. Graduate, he graduated Loyola my freshman year. Whoa. Yeah, so he's He's super, fairly young. He's like 26, 27. Yeah, I would ride the intercampus shuttle with him between our campuses. We have a campus up north. That's where I live. Mm-hmm. And I would be on the bus with him. I would just see him there on his phone just not thinking anything of it. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. None of us wanted to talk to anybody. Right. But, yeah, so Sean's is awesome. He's rose his profile pretty much quickly and, <laughs> yeah. you know, definitely happy for him and his success. Um, it's not easy in this field to, you know, it's all about relationships and, um, I was I was sharing you know before uh, the program started. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, was reporting uh, back on January 15th or then January 16th that the Knicks and the Mavericks um, had had some interest in getting Dennis Smith to uh, the Knicks. I reported that then, and you know January 28th. It happened, um, and, and <clears throat> there's been some other things uh, like uh, Reggie Bullock going from the Pistons to the to the Lakers. Reported that about four or five minutes, or excuse me, four or five hours uh, before the national media uh, grabbed it. And you know, this year has been a, a blessed year for me, and um, you know, it's it's cool to kind of just um, grind it out. You know, relationships is everything, and to see somebody like you talk about Shams, like 
he kind of came out of nowhere, but not really. He just worked his relationships. And that's the thing that, you know, you can have a degree, uh, but at the end of the day, how do you utilize that? It's about talking to everybody. It seems you did that on the shuttle early in the morning with Shams. Yeah, well, I didn't actually beat him on the bus. We would just be on the bus. I met him in Atlanta last year. It would right, be one okay. of those things. I was a shy little freshman. I'm like, Got I just you. it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I haven't had any coffee. I'm just, yeah, but I met him in Atlanta. And that's one of the lessons I'm teaching my writers. As the, I'm a sports editor at the Phoenix here. I told my writer, shake as many hands as you can. Get to know people's names. They'll remember you because I learned that last year during March Madness. I mm-hmm. met so many people from Shams to David Hall, who writes for the Tribune. He's on the score now. Mm-hmm. I know Teddy Greenstein, Steve Greenberg, all these names I met during March Madness. Andy Staples at Sports Illustrated is another one. Got to meet him in Dallas. So it's all about meeting these people, and they can help you get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I broke my nail, and that's kind of a... <laughs> It's, it's growing back. I think it's going to be okay. Uh, I don't need to see a doctor or anything. But I'm I'll the let one Sister of, Jean say a prayer for you, Daryl. Yeah, uh, I could use all the help I can get. But, you know, the thing is, like, what I'll say, and you know this, Nick, is I'll always come out and say things way ahead of time. Not necessarily saying a, a player is going to be traded or going to a team or anything. I'm saying what teams should do. I'll say a trade's good or bad right when it's made, not two years later. I'll say, like, the bullshit have drafted Trey Young when everyone jumped off his bandwagon. I said, this kid could play. This is the guy I want all along. So I'll say all that stuff. So I'll be the guy that would be a builder of teams if I had that opportunity. And, you know, if anyone wants to, like, you know, ever put me on as far as, you know, being the guy that they go to before they make a decision, mm-hmm. hey, call me up before you make a decision. Let me tell you if you should do it or not. That's that's what I'd probably be good at. But anyway, that, that's all I've got. So how do you kind of break into the business then with what you've been doing? Uh, how do you how do you meet all these different players, get these contacts? Like maybe you could, you know, here's this college station technically too. Sure. Maybe you could you know, give advice uh, to so people I, out there. I'll tell you a cool story. So um, the Bulls played the Sixers last night. And <clears throat> I was at the game as a, as a fan. I wasn't working. And um, I reached my phone and... I reached out and, and sent Elton Brand a text message and said, hey, you at the game? Where you at? He's like, man, I'm back in Philly. Um, he and I met in February um, because I had written a story and it was appearing on 97.3, a uh, radio in, in South Jersey, which is next to Philadelphia. Um, talked about a situation with Markel Fultz where basically they were wondering why he was shooting the way he did. And I got some information from uh, a, a very prominent person in Philadelphia who basically shared um, that the reason why um, that happened was there was a potential, uh, some type of automobile accident, I'll just say. And um, people were, like, trolling me on Twitter. And that's a whole other dynamic, the trolling, the, 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 the oh, stuff yeah. on social media. But um, what I can say is uh, I stuck with my story. And if you remember, um, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted later on after, you know, Markel going through a series of tests um, that he had something called TOS, and they said one of the side effects could, or, or a cause of it could be some type of automobile accident. People were like, hmm. So, what does TOS mean exactly? Thoracic something. I can't remember what or it was. Something, like okay, a, a doctor would know maybe. So I'm okay, TOS for the, for, the, for the person who just woke up and, and, and scratching the coal out their eyes. They don't know, Google it. So, what happened was um, uh, I ran with that story. It, it, I knew it to be. To, to have some validity to it, I'll say. Um, and people are like, huh. So fast forward, this was like October, November, December, somewhere in, like towards the end of last year. Um, I'm at a party. I'm at a, I was at All-Star Weekend in Charlotte. I was at a Jordan party. Everybody was there. You name it. Their mama, their mama's mama was there. Uh, Michael was there, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Mark Cuban, um, Fabulous the Rapper, Fat Joe, like everybody, uh, Kyle Kuzma, uh, everybody was there. Um, I see uh, Elton Brand, and I say, hey, man, what's going on? You probably know me. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm Brandon Scoopy Robinson. He goes, oh, I know you. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, the Sixers send me your tweets. So it was a whole conversation about, you know, a myriad of different things. Those tweets got his attention. I don't want to discuss the whole situation. I want to leave some, you know, private conversation is private. But what I will say is um, a lot of those tweets, not just the Markel Fultz thing, the stuff about um, Jamal Crawford, who I had on the Scoopy Radio podcast, former Bull. Um, you know, he had interest in signing with the Sixers. And if you look at the situation, uh, he and Elton Brand were teammates uh, early on during the Bulls years in the late 90s, early 2000s. There's a relationship there. Uh, I was reporting that the, the Sixers, one of the teams who, who could potentially get Jimmy Butler in a trade. Uh, the Houston Rockets had the lead early on, and a lot of things had transpired between now and then. I had a source out in Minnesota who was sharing those 
those things with me. To answer your question directly, you meet people, you go to different functions. Um, for me, <clears throat> my roots in basketball started in New York City. Uh, my uncle, I grew up in both uh, New York City and in northern New Jersey. Um, my uncle was a commissioner of, ba- of a basketball league in New York and Harlem called uh, Citywide. Uh, my family ran a too successful a sneaker sh- store and a shoe store in Harlem, right down the street from the Apollo Theater. And so uh, I used to see basketball players and celebrities of different sorts come in the store and, you know, buy shoes. And um, there's a relationship there. Uh, my uncle Billy, who was a commissioner of parks for a league called Citywide, anybody who came out of New York City knew my uncle. So that was the cheat code there. You know, Kenny Smith on TNT knew um, my uncle, uh, Stephon Marbury, Bernard King, all those people. So you develop those relationships over time. Um, and, and, and it happens. And, and to see the work ethic there, you know, my grand, my late Nana, you know, she ran the shoe store during the day. At night, she was a nurse at Rikers Island. So I watched people work and get to that point and do what they needed to do. And I apply it every day. I bring my lunch pail into making things happen. Uh, so you were at that was a Michael Jordan Charlotte Hornets party. Yeah. Now how did how did that? That's, that's kind of a big one to get in. How did you work your Michael Jordan? I mean, how'd you work your way into that one? I got an email randomly. I had been trying to get in. Like a few days before, and I got a random email. You were cordially invited to the Jordan party, RSCP. The RSCP, they sent like an email for a private address. I had gotten in the year before in L.A. Uh, and I'm, 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 I have a good relationship with Kyrie Irving and his, and his, and his family. And uh, they snuck me in. So I went from L.A. being snuck into Charlotte being invited. And uh, they randomly invited me. I don't, I don't know who put me on a list. I got an email, and, and I didn't really ask too many questions. I just RSVP before they changed their mind. <laughs> but honestly, man, hard work. Like I said, the last nine or ten months, I put out a tweet about Kevin Durant potentially joining the Los Angeles Lakers. It was retweeted over close to 4,000 times um, and a combination of just reporting a lot of other NBA news. Um, it's, it's been a it's been a uh, last nine or ten months has been a blessing. Now, there's been a lot of talk about, obviously, what Kevin Durant is going to do after this season. Uh, you've already put out there that you thought he was going to go to L.A. And I spoke to Kevin at that party about it. Um, I'll tell you that when I was at the Jordan party, I was with him and Kyrie Irving. And I said to him, I said, you know, you really helped my career. I said, how did he goes, how did I do that? I said, you remember a tweet that came out in September about uh, you potentially going to a team? He goes, no, I don't really pay attention to the news. I said, yeah, you lying. I'm going to ask you again. Do you remember uh, a, a tweet going out about this, you know, that in the third? He laughs. He goes, yeah, I heard something about it. I said, well, I was the guy who put out the tweet. He looks at me. He laughs. He goes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because you look, people look at Kevin Durant and thinks he's the scary guy because he's, he's, people think he's emotional. He reacts to different things. I think delivery has a lot to do with today's player and just people in general. Um, there's a right way and a wrong way or a sophisticated way to say everything. Um, as far as where Kevin Durant directly is going, I- I'm sticking with what my source says for now. Um, but but I also think that where he goes will be indicative upon how the Warriors actually do in the, in, if they appear reappear in the finals this year. Um, because there could be a situation where he does sign a one plus one. You know, there could be a situation where <clears throat> um, even a team like Toronto may f- figure something out. You know, a lot of times people say, where can Kevin Durant, how can Kevin Durant one-up LeBron? How can LeBron be better than Michael? LeBron is the GOAT, many say. I feel like KD can outgoat LeBron by winning a championship in another city that happens to be out of the United States. You go to Toronto, you build something special, you potentially go to finals and win, you do something Michael and LeBron both have never done, won a championship in another city. Now, I'm sticking with what I said about the Lakers for now, um, but I do think that it'll be interesting with what the Warriors do in the, in the, in the postseason. Well, LeBron's won championships in two cities. He has, but people often say he had help, Well, but he, so did KD. He had quite a bit of help. I mean, when KD came to a championship team, I mean, they didn't... They were already winning championships before KD ever came there. LeBron had to build, and they lost the first time around in 2011 against Dallas. And I think a lot of times people don't give Dallas their just deal. I mean, I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders: Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd, that was JJ a good Barea. team. That was a really good solid team. team, a veteran team. Dirk Nowitzki and <laughs> Dirk had something to prove after the you know the Mavericks lost in Miami years ago. So you know in 2006. So you know I think that that, that Dallas team is often slept on, but I, I or, or, or not giving it just due just because they see Wade, Bron, Posh. Well, nobody thought that. Miami was going to go down once they made it to the finals that year. They're David to their Goliath. And they slayed Goliath on that one. But, so, do you think, and we 
technically Durant is on Golden State right now. Do you mm-hmm. think there's any chance Golden State still has Durant next year? Well, like I said, I think a lot depends on what they do in the finals. So is it winning or losing that depends on? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. But I also do think, like, when I put out that tweet, it was September. I'll never forget it. It was September 17th, my baby sister's birthday. And uh, I was paying more attention to KD than I was her birthday. And, yeah, sorry. But um, (laughs) what I'll say is that when you look at the situation with KD, um, people looked at me like I was crazy. But the thing is, nobody saw kind of that situation with Draymond being the way it was. Um, and I also think, I, at face value, you'd assume that Clay will become a warrior for will stay a warrior forever. Um, it's not it's not a guarantee. Draymond will stay on that team. You know, I had Rick Buecher on the Scoopy Radio podcast recently, and uh, I asked him straight up. I said. Is there anything about this Warriors team now that reminds you of the Bulls' last hurrah in 1998 when everybody split right before the lockout season? Um, He said to me that the Warriors are older. Um, You look at the Sean Livingston piece. You look at the Andre Iguodala piece uh, and more. They had to sign another power forward or center and Andrew Bogut because they weren't necessarily satisfied with, you know, all that uh, DeMarcus Cousins brings to the table, which by the way, I believe that DeMarcus Cousins is one of the smartest guys to sign with that team. It's a high risk, a low risk, high reward situation. Um, you know, you, you potentially get a ring and then you can get another payday. Uh, as us young guys say, he's trying to get the bag. And uh, I think at the end of the day, um, I think that the Warriors have something to prove. I think they've never been in a situation uh, where so many people doubted them, and it seems that they do it every year. So I, I can't, I can't, I can't um, doubt a champion. You know, they've they've done it. You know, they've done it. They've they've done it again. They got the T-shirt, the keychain, and and the, and the Instagram pic to show that they were there. It's official. So um, I think a situation with Kevin Durant legitimately depends on what they do in the finals. And you know, you can't sleep on the New York Knicks. I mean, well, I was going to say New York has been the talk where they've cleared the space, so they have the money for two max contracts, and they're talking. You already mentioned Kyrie's name and mm-hmm. Durant, and that's what the talk is that those two guys go to New York. Maybe New York gets the first pick. Maybe a guy named Zion ends up being there, and well, I hope he doesn't end up there. I want him in Chicago. Well, I, I mean, well, we're hoping for the ping pong balls to bounce the right way here, obviously. But you know, I think when you look at the Knicks situation, yeah, they do have two max slots. Um, what I will say is um, the other thing with KD is um, they have a built-in recruiter, uh, and uh, pay attention to this name, Royal Ivy. Uh, he's an assistant coach uh, with the uh, New York Knicks. Uh, Royal Ivy recruited uh, KD to go to Texas, and he was teammates with uh, KD in Oklahoma City. KD is also uh, Royal Ivy's daughter's godfather, and will Royal Ivy gets married this summer, he'll actually be in Royal Ivy's wedding. He'll be the best man, I'm told. Um, and so I, I say all that to say they're friends. They talk. He and Alonzo Trier have a relationship. That sounds good, I think, but at the end of the day, uh, when it comes down to the Knicks, um, there are some other interior things uh, that need to figure out. But I do think that Scott Perry and others within that Knicks organization have done a good job in clearing out cap space. Uh, I mean, they, I can tell you that, that, that the trading deadline, while everybody was paying attention to Chicago's own Anthony Davis and where he was going as far as the Los Angeles Lakers, I can tell you that the Denver Nuggets made a call to the, to the Pelicans. I can also tell you that the New York Knicks made a call uh, and were trying to offer Mitchell Robinson uh, to come to the Knicks. Uh, so I think the Knicks have some other uh, factors um, that, that, that they can you know, do. And I think if there was a situation where they can try to get Anthony Davis in the offseason, um, I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with the Knicks would make sense. But you know, I've spoken to folks within Kyrie Irving's uh, that are familiar with his thinking, and the Knicks has not been discussed as much as many would think. Um, and to be honest with you, this is just my gut, and this is also just what I read. I think the Brooklyn Nets are a, are more a palatable situation uh, for Kyrie uh, than the Knicks. Um, you know, they have to the, the Nets have to decide what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. And all indications from from what I'm hearing is D'Angelo wants to stay, and the Nets want him. It's mutual. It's not unrequited love. Um, and I also think the grass is not always green on the other side. I think that the Celtics can build something. You know, the Anthony Davis situation is an interesting situation because the the, the Boston Celtics have three or four draft picks that they can <laughs> offer. Uh, and players along with that mm-hmm. that are probably a little bit more attractive than the Lakers had to offer. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the why the line. Lakers had to push. Uh, it was another story I was I was spot on with early in October that the Lakers were looking to make a push for Davis at the trade deadline. It was no dice. I was told what they offered, and I'm like, yo. So yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I think that the Celtics, as well as Kyrie Irving, may want to sit tight a little bit because if they get Davis – 
You know, that they really add dimensions to that team. But the only thing is, you know, the, the Pelicans are going to want a, a Jason Tatum who's been eh, during the season. Marcus Smart would have to be included. But, you know, I, I, I had Chris Sheridan, uh, NBA writer mm-hmm. on, on the Scooby Radio podcast, and he said to me that, you know, Danny Ainge has, uh, has fawned over Anthony Davis since his days at Kentucky and really is a fan of him and his game and, you know, wants him on that roster. So, I think the Kyrie di- dynamic has so many layers to it that you know people tried to tried to tie Kyrie and and, and Jimmy Butler to each other uh, this past summer and they're friends, but I think that I can tell you that the level of how much people tied them to as friends they exaggerate a lot. There's a difference between what people see on TV and conversing and showing you know love and they take it and they 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 force it. You talk about Kevin Durant. I told you I was at the Jordan party. Those guys are like basketball obsessed. The whole time they're at the party, they're talking about basketball. And it's and it's not even like I don't think that they were really looking like I'm coming here, I'm coming here. They're actually friends. Like they're like minded people. Um, I don't necessarily think that, you know, you I took a I looked at the room when I was at the Jordan party and I and I and I started just thinking about this. Like, you see Rob Palenka talking to Mark Cuban. Okay, that would make sense. Palenka is is with the general manager for the Lakers. And he used to be an agent. Mark Cuban is the owner of the Mavericks. Like, they talked in the past. They're going to talk now. Like, I think people make too much of who's talking to who on camera. Yeah, and by the way, New York has Dolan as an owner of the team, which might be a detriment to getting free agents. If the players think about that, uh, not considered one of the better owners in uh, basketball or in sports in general. Yeah, he's. I mean, he struggled with, with relationships. You, obviously, you know the, the Charles Oakley, former Knicks situation. Mm-hmm. I actually saw Charles earlier this week. He was... He's not allowed in Madison Square Garden. I ran into him at the Barclays Center, so he's still in New York. But um, um, that situation, and he had an issue with a fan about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Banned him uh, because yeah. fire, you know, get rid of uh, sell the team, whatever. And you know, there's levels to um, owners. Um, many don't know that. Um, I bumped into Atlanta Hawks. Oh, excuse me, Atlanta Falcons owner. Um, What's his name? He 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 ran our Home Depot. Arthur Blank. Okay, yeah. He uh, he basically earned his millions or billions. You said the Hawks? No, I meant the the Falcons. Oh, the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, Arthur Blank. Um, There's there's levels to ownership. You know, you look at um, Dolan. He inherited. You look at our president. He inherited. And it's no and Dick. I'm not bashing anybody, but what I'm saying is, when you're dealing with people. Um, and you're having relationship with people. You, everybody's level of earnings is different, and sometimes that plays out in their level of uh, interaction with one another. And uh, Dolan is an interesting character. Yeah, well, he have an interesting owner in Chicago too. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, technically his son is kind of supposedly running the Bulls now. Mike Michael, there you could go and inherited thing. Uh, again, you got a little connection from the glasses. Uh, with the Bulls, who became sponsor with the, it's called Zenny, Zenny right? Zenny Z-E-N-N-I. Yes. Yeah, so um, Zenny is, uh, I've, I've, I've been in relationship with Zenny so for about, since June, July. Um, they, you know, developed a relationship with the Bulls, a, a brand partnership, uh, or rather just a sponsorship with the Bulls. Uh, Zenny is a, a Northern California uh, Isn't it under company. Jersey, too? Yes. So I knew about that partnership uh, since about August, I was quiet about it, and you know they they had the official official tissue paper thing in, in October, and um, I was at the launch. I was sitting behind Scottie Pippen, Tony Kukoc, and you know for me, who are those guys? Uh, some some bulls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, this is what I'll tell you. I will tell you that um, it's pretty cool to uh, be a part of it because. Um, Number one, these glasses are not prescription. I started wearing glasses for fashion because I don't get much sleep as a journalist writing on deadline. Um, and so it was a way to kind of shield the, the bags under my eyes. Um, and I like that. <laughs> what I'll say is what I've learned about uh, Zenny is it's actually a benefit to me anyway because – we're in front of TV screens. We're in front of computer screens. We're as journalists. We're we're looking at our phones. It's a lot of rays that are not good for our eyes. And one of the things that Zenny actually has, it protects your eyes from some of those rays. So while I was wearing this stuff for style, you know, I'm learning that it's actually good for my eyes because I need my eyes to see. 
Well, a lot of times, too, glasses could make a statement. Like, you know, different things. Like, I started wearing these really wild socks years ago before everyone started wearing them. Oh, yeah. Like, you do something that makes you stand out. What makes you different from other people? And how do people notice you? Why do they remember you? So, glasses are a good way to do that, too. Craig Sager had crazy fashion, which mm-hmm. was, was exactly. his thing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in this business, it should never be a situation where, you know, you're looking to just, you want to have the style mixed with the substance. Ernie Johnson had the ties. Has the bow ties. Um, Stuart Scott had the catchphrases. Uh, Stephen A. Smith had, uh, this is egregious, disrespectful. Blasphemous. blasphemous. Don't forget blasphemous. Yes, you can't. So, I mean. <laughs> so, so he's loud, in other words? Well, he's loud, but hey, man, he got his big payday. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, he definitely got the payday. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you got to turn the volume down a little bit. but Yeah, you know. I, I think I, this is what I'll say. So I, I share with you that. I started in the business, 97 was my first year covering. So 97 had a show called Net Slamming Planet, uh, co-hosted with Albert King, uh, former Net, uh, brother of Bernard King, mm-hmm. um, and Evan Roberts, who's a radio personality at Sports Radio 66 WFAN uh, in New York City. I remember, I say real, real quick one thing with Albert King. Albert King was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft yeah. years ago in Maryland, I believe. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm watching because I was thinking for the Bulls back then. Okay, I'm, right. I'm going to scout the different guys. I'm watching them and I'm thinking, I'm seeing Albert King. I'm going, who the hell is this guy, Buck Williams? I'm wow. Like, wow. <laughs> I really, Albert King might be okay, but man, who is Buck Williams? And to me, Buck, well, obviously Buck Williams became a better pro than Albert King did. He did. Yeah. Better, uh, former Net as well, and, and former Nick. Um, Albert, to me, was ahead of his time because I think he was a, a shooting. I, I played basketball with him a little bit on, on courts before games. And uh, he could shoot the lights out. And I think big guys like six 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 seven six eight. back then you saw them more in the post than you did on the perimeter. And I think that the swingman position has evolved. Obviously, Michael, Jalen Rose, uh, Scottie Pippen, what have you. But, yeah, I, I think that when you look at Albert King, man, um, I think he had the pressure of, of, of being Bernard's King, yeah. Bernard King's brother as well. Um, and, and what I'll say you know, to that is um, back in 97 through 99 when I did the show, I was in the locker room. Uh, uh, Chris Broussard was covering the Nets and the Knicks. Who's, he's now for Fox Sports 1. And a certain guy who breaks news by the name of Adrian Wojnarowski was covering the Nets for the Bergen record. And I would often see those two guys. And then when the Sixers would come to town, um, I would see Stephen A. Smith covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, This is what I'll tell you. When you look at today's game, when Stephen A. Smith was around in the late 90s, um, you had guys like Grant Hill, Michael Jordan, Steve Smith, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, Reggie Miller, Gary Payton. Um, They knew him as the writer at the Inquirer. Um, Today's player knows him as the personality on ESPN. And so their parents, the kids who are playing in the NBA now, their parents remember him when he used to be on the best damn sports show. Uh, I remember when I remember when, you know, he was on Com- the Comcast network in Philadelphia, uh, Comcast CN8, they called it. And so, you know, him as a writer, he realized he had a personality. He had a relationship. He also left the New York Daily News and 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 um, it, and and came to the Philadelphia Inquirer the same year that it was Allen Iverson's rookie year. And that changed the game for him. Um, and I think that. Uh, when you look at today's uh, evolution of you know digital media, digital content, viral hits, etc., um, I think he was ahead of the curve. I think you know many people thought that 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 uh, Stuart Scott was hip. I think for a guy who was a beat writer and took relationships and flipped other things, Stephen A. Smith played his role and also gave people of color a hope that that's something that they could do by being themselves. Um, and I think that that in a, in a game where it's very niche, like we talked about with the glasses and the bow tie, um, I think he has his place. I think that um, but I don't think people should copy off of him. I think that in today's space, there's room for everybody to be themselves. Be yourself. Well, that's that's the thing. I think that's the main thing. Maybe sometimes people have to learn who they are, mm-hmm. perhaps. But uh, by the way, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM with Daryl Horowitz, Nick Schultz, and our special guest today, Brandon Scoop Robinson. Yes, sir. And um, we're going to have to get to baseball in a little bit. But while I, I, you're obviously here 
we have a basketball team in Chicago. I believe. I'm not talking about Loyola. They got uniforms the and everything. <laughs> what? <laughs> Chicago Bulls. The season's running down. I believe they're. Uh, I think they're eliminated from the playoffs. If you I'm think? not mistaken. You think? Uh, I, I hope so. I, I, they better look be. at the, the fall and to check the standings here. I believe they are eliminated. Uh, they maybe, clinched the fourth worst record in the league. I think they. Well, that's that's wonderful. Uh, and you got to be top three. Actually, you probably got to be top two in the. By the way, real quick. What do you like in the draft if the Bulls got into the draft this year? I mean, there are four right now. Four leaves you kind of out of where you want to be. But let's say they make the top three, the top one, the top two. What do you like uh, if they were to get there? Who would you like to take? I mean, is it the obvious one, Zion, if you got number one, obviously? Do you go Ja Morant? Uh, Do you go between Ja Morant and, like, you know, R.J. Barrett on Duke? You know, if you're going between the two, if you're the second pick. What are your thoughts on that? I really like R.J. Barrett. Um, really? So you're talking? We talking about the second pick? Or I'm just talking, talking about the first. I'm pick? just talking about a pick. As far, but this is what I say about Zion. I, I'll just go out and say it. I like Zion. Um, I really got a chance to watch him in that UCF game, and um, I I think that you know him going toe to toe with Taco Fall was not easy um, because I think eventually the the big man position is going to be a thing again. Um, you know, every, the NBA is a three point shooting contest, but. You know, there are tall men out there, uh, and they don't all have to shoot from the perimeter. Um, and I think Taco Fall is out there, too. But I, I do think that as it relates to um, RJ, or as it relates to Zion Williamson, um, he would fit on Chicago, but I like RJ Barrett better. I do, on the Bulls specifically. I think RJ Barrett would be the better fit, but yes. God, you don't want to pass up on Zion. Yeah, I mean, but for first picks are not always um, what they're cracked up to be, and I don't right. wish ill will on anyone. Um, I think that, and I think that him going to the Knicks um, sounds good in theory, just because of their record. Uh, but ping pong balls do weird things. Oh yeah, we saw that with Derrick Rose. Yes. Well, even though I, I think I think it was a frozen lottery ball, but that's just me. You think so? <laughs> I think I think I think they rigged it. If any league rigs things, the NBA would be the one that would be the closest most likely to do it. I mean, a few different things when the Knicks got Ewing years ago. And LeBron in 2003. You know, LeBron, like, most of the time the team that had the first pick, even though it was 25% before, didn't get the first pick. But LeBron, Akron, Cleveland, oh, that would be a nice fit if they got this guy, wouldn't it? I mean, Chicago gets Derrick Rose with 1.7 chance. I mean, some things are a little bit fishy. So, just, just saying. But, so, you are saying... If you had the number one pick, you are actually taking R.J. Barrett over Zion and John Morant. I do like John Morant. I think John Morant, to me, uh, I, I spoke with Clark Kellogg a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying to me that, you know, John Morant f- fits the, you know, taller Allen Iverson mold, plays like, you know, Derrick Rose, but that his passing is very underrated. And when you look at the when you look at the the Bulls right now, uh, they got a lot. Of, they have a lot of big men. You know, you have Robin Lopez currently. You have you have Larry Markkinen. I like Larry Markkinen. He is a fantasy basketball player's dream. Um, I think that you know you and I talked there about your off air about uh, Trey Young. I think that um, of course you I, talked about Trey Young. I, I think I think that John Morant would be a um, a Trey Young mea culpa for you. Just because they need more, they need dynamic guards. Not even just the Trey Young thing. I just think they need dynamic guards on that team. I like, yeah. I I I like um, Zach Levine, and I'm, and I'm very impressed with his comeback season, particularly with all the issues he had with his, with his leg and coming back. Um, but you need some insurance policies, and you and you need some some players to complement that roster. Um, and I and I think that the Bulls legitimately have enough young players that they can figure it out. No matter who they pick in the draft and no matter what they do in free agency, there's still going to be a building process because the Eastern Conference is getting that much better. You know, everybody paid attention to the Western Conference uh, this season and they thought they were going to be better than they are. But I think the Eastern Conference really has shown out the emergence of, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I th- thought should have been at the point he's at now last year. Um, you know, you look at the Sixers, you look at um, the Boston Celtics. So I think in the long run we'll be fine. You look at the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I think the Bulls are going to have to compete with a lot of these young teams that are just going to be building for the next five years. Well, and I think John Morant would be the best fit of yes. the three on the Bulls. Like you said, the position they need the most. Now, I'll say right now, I'll come out. I've watched a little bit of Ja Morant. I watched a lot of Trey Young sure. last year. Sure. I don't think Ja, ja Morant will be as good as Trey Young. Trey Young's the guy I want. And I actually, 
when Steph Curry came out and he ended up getting passed up twice by Minnesota, they had two picks in a row mm-hmm. and passed him twice. I said right then, I would have loved Steph Curry with Rose. Everyone would say they can't play defense. I would say, you know what? I don't care. Nobody would ever stop them. Steph Curry ended up being way better than no one thought Steph Curry would be what he was in the league. And at the time, I watched Steph Curry a little bit in the NCAA tournament. I said, this guy I would want on my team. This guy could play. I said, when judging players, John Morant, I think, would be a great fit on the Bulls. He'll be a fun to watch. Obviously, he's really gifted athletically. He could jump out of the gym. He won't be Trey Young. And you, but you know what? I think that you, you got Trey Young all day. I won't argue with you. But I, I, what I'll say is um, what I like about John Morant is his, is his story. While everybody paid attention in the last three, four, five years to John, Mar- or excuse me, R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson and even um, uh, LiAngelo Ball, um, who I think will be okay. Um, I think that John Morant came in not a high recruit, not a not a. I don't was he even a McDonald's All American? I don't think he was. No, I think he was. Like I said, he he ended up sticking with Murray State when he. Later on, started getting other opportunities, and he said, these are the ones that first noticed me. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to go there. Look, there is something about John Morant that says long-term Damian Lillard, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, Hall of Fame career, multiple championships, and you got Gabrielle Union. Like, you win in that life. (laughs) But I I feel like, you know, when you look at that situation, he goes to Miami, he, he, he shows out, you know, you you look at uh, Damian Lillard. He's hit big shots, and I think people people have just been sleeping on Damian Lillard. I think you know you look at Damian Lillard. You look at you look at um, Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba had a, a good early start to his season, and you know he he's due a contract uh, this summer. And you know, but when you look at the John Morant, I think sometimes when you come into the league and you're not highly touted, it makes you work harder. Look at the NFL. Two names I give you: Michael Strahan, Tom Brady. Not highly recruited. Not highly touted. One is hosting Good Morning America, and the other got Giselle Bunsen in a couple of rings. So I think in the long run, you know, while everybody's looking at Zion Williamson as a name, sometimes you got to look at the long form. And I, I like John Morant. I well, don't go ahead. I don't think anyone's going to pass on Zion if they have the first pick, only because of the repercussions if they do pass on him, he becomes the brand that he already is. And he sells tickets. Well, actually, <laughs> you know, but here's what I'd say, like, you know, as far as, like, you got John Morant, you know, you had Trey Young, you had those... Like for the Bulls in general, though, what do you see for the Bulls? They've started their tank supposedly last year. They didn't quite uh, succeed at the tank as well as they could have. They even this year, technically, they're out of the t- out of the top three right now. Again, it's all going to depend on a little luck with the ping pong balls because if they end up at four, I think they're screwed. But uh, I think I think picks one through five, somewhere between one and five. I see. I also think that when you look at this summer, I think that as much as people paying attention to what the Lakers and the Knicks are going to do, I think that the Bulls could get a small couple of pieces. Like many people look at, um, you know, Clay Thompson as he'll be he'll be a, a warrior forever. But you know, you look into a situation where maybe they're offering him some money, and uh, I think that Clay could go to a team. Um, and 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 score in bunches. I think the Bulls would be a perfect fit for him. This is again me speaking on opinion. Nothing that I've heard. Um, you look at a situation with Draymond. If the Warriors don't want him coming to the Bulls, shining in that situation, um, I think that the Bulls need a bruiser or a veteran that's been there that can talk to these young guys. But here's the thing, though. For one thing, they made the Otto Porter trade, which took away a lot of their space. And True. They've already said they don't think they're going to get anyone, at least anyone of significance. Mm-hmm. So a big name. Clay Thompson's a big name. I mean, Draymond Green's a bigger name. Mm-hmm. I don't see those guys even wanting to come to Chicago realistically. What do they have in Chicago? What's it going to do for their career? If you can't even get the most money, the only reason you'd want to come here if you got more money than anyone else and they can't do that, why would you want to come to the Bulls? I don't even think you can really sell Michael Jordan anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think, you know, I even look at the situation um, – you, I think you said something about Derrick Rose and, and Steph Curry should have played together. I feel like Carmelo should have played with Derrick Rose years ago. And, you know, I think he'd be in a better position than he is now. Um, I think that when you look at the Bulls, I think they're going to have to build over the next five, in the next two years in order for somebody to be attractive to come. Um, there's a list of names outside of the, the Clay Thompsons that I mentioned, outside of the, you know, a, a Draymond Green situation coming. But I do think that they need a veteran presence. Like when you look at the Bulls, 
even like two years ago, you had, at least you had Rondo on that team, a young team or a team that was in the build in the early stages of just like rebuilding. You know, you had Wade, you had all these guys. Like you need a guy that can come in who's like has something in the tank left um, and can and can guide that young squad. Um, because I think that they, I think like when you look at the NBA Eastern Conference, I think even a team like an Atlanta is going to grow in the next like two years, three years, because I think Trey Young is one of those pieces. Well, I was saying before because I'm going to have to get to baseball in a little sure. bit because uh, the season has started, and uh, I don't know if anyone let the Cubs know the season started, but uh, the season has started. <laughs> is the season opening Wrigley like what tomorrow or Wednesday? I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I believe I, I've been out of country so i don't know what anything that's i was going in kentucky on. this weekend <laughs> and you were out of the country in kentucky so uh, i like it but <laughs> i like it but 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 the point i was going to say is see i saw for the bulls i saw the future for the bulls when they made the butler trade i thought it was a great trade mm-hmm. i was happy with what they got back that's why i wanted trey young last year i thought trey young would be the perfect fit with marketing with levine running that offense and doing things like with hoiberg i didn't love hoiberg as the coach but he would have fit in with the offense so now here's the other thing you mentioned rondo i thought rondo rondo's great with young players players love the young players and the bulls love playing with him miritich said that's his favorite teammate Anthony Davis loved him in New Orleans. They won their only playoff series with Rondo there. I think Rondo's a brilliant basketball mind. He wants to coach. Brian Scalabrini told me that he is the smartest basketball player that he's ever played with. And what I was going to say is, I, if I were the Bulls, because I think the Bulls have a problem from ownership, from the front office, and the coach right now, that no one's going to come here of any significance. I would have wanted, I would have put Rondo as the coach. Hmm. Now you could get rid of the owner. You could get rid of the front office. If you have Rondo as a coach, you might have a chance to get players that want to come here and play for Rondo. That's your only hope to attract players. So now you have Trey Young. My scenario, I can't go back, but my scenario, you have Trey Young. <laughs> I put Rondo in as the coach. Right. Rondo's the coach of the Bulls, and which I think would be a genius move as the coach of the Bulls. And now, another year from now, Anthony Davis, a kid from Chicago, and I actually used to live literally – Right outside my door was Perspectives High School. Literally. Awesome. I walked out of my garage area. I'd be at Perspectives in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. So where you went to school? Anthony Davis is from Chicago. If you had Trey Young with this Bulls team, if you had Rondo as the coach who he loved playing with, and now you see this team coming together when he's a free agent, when he maybe want to come home as the last piece, and with the Bulls legitimately being the Golden State of the East, I think that very likely could have been. You, what do you think of that? No, I think there's there's validity there. Of course, it's a shoulda, coulda, woulda situation with Trey Young at this point, but I think well, they blew that, that one. Yeah, they they definitely did. I think. Uh, with the with the Anthony Davis situation, him signing with Clutch, he kind of knew where he was going with that. You know that they were going to push the Lakers narrative, and if not the Lakers, the Celtics. And then if you know it's, he's going to be in a situation now like uh, Kawhi is in now, and Paul George was in the year before. If he goes to a team, how do they woo him to sign to resign? Uh, the jury's still out on Kawhi at this point. But um, as it relates to Anthony Davis coming home, is cool. But you know it's interesting. It's hard to play home. Derrick Rose was the exception to the rule. Um, you know, even on the New York side, somebody like Mark Jackson or Rod Strickland, they're the exception to the rule just because Rod came out here and played at DePaul and came back home. You know, he played with the Truman High School, I believe, in, in, in the Bronx and then, you know, went to Oak Hill Academy. But as it relates to um, Anthony Davis, I think home is always good. I think when you look at the Bulls, I think Derrick Rose is the only example of somebody who was home the whole time. Anthony Davis, that would be like the Derrick Rose remix, but differently because he's a big man. You know, that guard being home is different than the forward being home. Uh, Cleveland worked out okay for LeBron. Yeah, but it it was home. Um, Northeast Ohio was home. but he's still from Akron. Well, I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> well, generally, you know, not no, exactly I got you. Cleveland. I, I, but, you I, I think I know, but what about LeBron? I think it's different because um, he needed to go to Miami in order to come back to Cleveland and, and make it right. It's almost like my Cleveland was the girl he dated that was going to be his wife, but he had to kind of uh, go through playing the field first before he settled down. That was the right move going back there, too. Yeah, actually, like, it yeah. was the smart <laughs> yes. move going back there for him. Oh, for sure. Because Miami was also going downhill. Cleveland was upcoming. 
So it, it and looked I, good, and it, it, it made his image better at the same time. And I think he, when LeBron returned back to Cleveland, to, you know, in 2014, and he saw, you know, um, Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson, and they went out and got, you know, Kevin Love, I think he looked at the Lakers the same way. You know, when you see Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, um, I think that there was a lot of – I think the groin injury obviously changed the whole trajectory of the season. Um, but when you look at that situation with the Lakers, I think he saw the same thing, young talent that he can grow with. Well, I so love the basketball talk. You want to stick around for the last 15 minutes we're talk of baseball? Or? I feel like a big old happy family sitting at the kitchen table. Let's do All it. All right. Well, let's get into baseball then. Uh, What's there to talk about? Anything? All right, Nick. Anything at all? Well, I got, I've got to chastise <laughs> you, buddy. Uh-oh. Oh, God. What'd I do? Well, here's what you did. I left Chicago. Okay. Cubs were one and all. They yeah. were in good hands with me. Started uh-huh. the season. This is the year that's like, you know, basically uh, make it or bust. And I leave town. They lose every game. I actually came back in town yesterday. They finally win a game. I left you at the Cubs so you're the blaming whole time, me. Nick. You're the one that left, and you're blaming me? with me out of, out of the country. You're blaming me. You got it. Okay. There you go. What's your your rebuttal, Nick? Uh, Well, I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Um, Yeah, that was not fun. I kept wanting to throw stuff at the TV. Thank God I didn't. I was watching games in the Phoenix newsroom, the basement of the School of Calm, and had to restrain myself from throwing stuff at the TV. Um, I had some choice words. I don't know what to make of it. Well, well, you've watched. I haven't watched, obviously. I say I, I, I caught a lot of it. All right, so tell me, because I said I was on a ship, a cruise ship. I can't see any of the games. Although one game I heard was on ESPN uh, when I was doing something else on the ship. I heard a couple of, oh, the Cubs were on that game. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't in the room at the time. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I had no access to any of the games at all. Outside of looking at ESPN. Not missing much. And see if they're going to give the score for the Cub game. You know, on the little uh, cross. Uh, the going ticker across. tape. Exactly, thank you. Uh Bottom line. So I didn't see Jack. So why don't you fill me in? What the hell's going on? Obviously, the pitching hasn't been. The hitting's been great. The pitching's been terrible with the Cubs. The bullpen is blown up. Uh, that's my favorite starting pitcher on the Cubs, Jose Quintana. I heard he pitched really well against Milwaukee. Yeah. But they saved him for it, didn't he? Yeah. He pitched really well with eight runs and three innings. Something like that. Yeah, that, that's the guy I would give up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for. Even I though knew Eloy you were going to. I knew you were going to. Well. I can't believe it took you two minutes into talking baseball to go there. So is, is Jimenez like his Trey Young? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, there are two, there are two names you can hear when doing a show with Daryl: Trey Young and Eloy Jimenez, or Jose Quintana. You can either one. Or, or by the way, I wrote an article right after the Cubs made the Jose Quintana trade, and uh, I don't know if you heard of Yard Barker at all. They do all oh, these yeah. different. Mm-hmm. I was the number one story the next day on Yard Barker. Look at you with doing that Quintana trade, saying the Cubs totally blew it. And right at the time, I didn't wait later on. And everyone said Quintana's so well. You look at War, and according to War, he's one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball. And I've said, I've watched, I don't need to look at statistics. I've watched him pitch. He's nowhere close to one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball, which has been proven out. Everyone else is wrong as usual. I'm right as usual. What can oh, I say? Here we go. Let me pat myself on the back too. What the hell? We all got to do this a little <laughs> bit, right? We got. If you don't promote yourself, who the hell is going to promote you? What Terrell will say? I love me some me. <laughs> so, there you go. Honestly. So what the hell is going on with the Cubs here? What is wrong, Nick? Two and six, man. Two and six, but it's early. You, Where do you want me to start with? What's wrong? <laughs> tell me. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. They can't pitch. They can't field. They can hit. At least so far this year they can hit. I just, I heard something today. I was listening to, so Matt Spiegel's hosting Hit and Run now yeah, on the score. I see that. And I was listening to it today before I uh, before I left, and he had Chris Kamka on. And he said something, the Cubs have, what is it, the Cubs have scored more runs, or the, the first team to score 60 runs and only have two wins through eight games since the 61 Brewers. Whoa. Or something like that. And also, I think he said in the seventh and eighth inning, the Cubs have given up more run than a few teams have given up the whole season. Yeah. Just in the seventh and eighth innings alone since Here, the season started. Here's another one. Through eight games, the Cubs have a higher team whip, 2.020, than win total of two. 
There's your problem right there. And I'm not really that big into stats, you know, the new advanced Wins and metrics. hits per innings pitch. Oh, no, I know what the hell it is. <laughs> I don't know what the heck that is. I just say I don't like that stuff. I, I don't think 2.02 is good. Is that right, Nick? No. Thank you. Okay. That's not good. <laughs> no. That's, yeah. Hey, I'm not yeah. a baseball guy, but I know that. Yeah, that's not good. No. Uh, even before they actually had whip, I used to like it if a pitcher had less hits and walks than innings pitch. Before anyone knew a term for it, I used to actually think, oh, that's a guy I like because guys aren't getting on base. That guy's probably going to be a good pitcher. So that was actually a stat I knew before there ever was that stat or before anyone ever heard of Bill James or any of that stuff. But uh, Oh, Bill James. It's our buddy. You know oh, what? William. <laughs> By the way, real yeah. quick, one thing I did see on TV uh, they had pardoned the interruption on since they had ESPN on on my ship, and I was about ready to go to dinner, and they had Michael Lewis on. Uh, anyone know who Michael Lewis is? No. Yes, sir. Who is that? Michael Lewis, the guy who wrote uh, the book Moneyball, for instance? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Michael Lewis was on, and they were interviewing him, and they asked him, like it was about the Oakland A's, basically a team that won because... Billy Bean was a genius or because he had three really top pitchers and his moves that he made Mm -hmm. actually weren't very good for the most part. Uh, Billy Bean is a totally overrated general manager, but that's another story. But he had Zito, Muller, and uh, uh, Hudson, and that's why they won. So anyway, Michael Lewis ended up saying, they asked him about analytics, and when he says he thinks analytics have actually made baseball a lot more boring to watch. He says it's good in basketball and it's good in football. He thinks it's a, basketball improved the game, the three-point shot, et cetera, et cetera. Football, it's opened up the game more. Because in baseball is the one sport that analytics has actually hurt the game, analytics, which I agree with. Analytics has got, given a lot of nerds jobs. Yeah. I think that analytics cannot um, replicate uh What's done on the field, what's done on the court, what's done on the mm-hmm. diamond, um, because I think plus minus and some of those other statistics don't don't quantify grit and the impossible. I, I'll say this without knowing plus minuses. When you look at when you look at um when you look at the Bulls when they won the last championship in '98. I'm sure that you know Michael Jordan hitting that last shot over Brian, Brian Russ, Russell was improbable. That has nothing to do with analytics. That has everything to do with just the power or the will to win. I think the clutch gene, as many people talk about, fits there. When you look at baseball, when you look at that San Francisco Giants team um, that won a World Series some years ago, didn't have any big names on there, but it had guys that worked hard. And I think that the factors were money, making more money, um, developing a rapport, but analytics people will fawn over that because there are no names versus a Yankees team that you put together that people would get mad because it was a bunch of names. I think in that instance, analytics had nothing to do with that. It was just guys who intimidated the other teams. Well, see, I think a lot of what the analytics doesn't take into account is how maybe the player affected here. Bryce Harper just got signed you know, by Philadelphia, for sure. instance. Okay, like, is he worth the money? Mm-hmm. No, no one's worth the money, realistically. But here's the thing. When you're looking at, I think, according to war, if I'm not mistaken, I think last year, was it 1.2 or 1.6? Do you remember, Nick? Or you know? I can't remember. Well, let's put it this way. That means he's 1.2 better than a replacement player. Mm-hmm. So a guy that's league average, a guy that's totally nothing special, this guy's one game better than, mm-hmm. basically, which is a total joke. I mean, here you got a guy. Is the pitcher intimidated when Bryce Harper's at the plate? Is he a little afraid of him? Obviously, Bryce Harper walks a ton. Have you this, seen some of those home runs he's hit this year? Yeah. Well, wow. no, I haven't. I you haven't seen any of them? Seen anything. You haven't even seen him on Twitter? Or he's a bad man. There you go. Yeah, we'll back to Stephen A. I like <laughs> that. We can't say that word. I like that. But the point is. Is the pitcher thinking about him? Is that affecting other hitters? Does that make them get better pitches? Does that set everything up? Like you get, there's no more running in baseball. You can't steal. But you know, I heard a pitcher the, uh, recently making a comment. I think about uh, Merrifield on Kansas City. I was worried about him being on the bases, so I'm throwing fastballs to the hitter. Well, if you throw fastballs to the hitter, and the hitter knows fastballs are coming because they're going to try to throw out Merrifield when he's going to try to run. That sets everything up. But in baseball, according to analytics now, you're not allowed to steal bases because you might get thrown out. You're not allowed to bunt because you're giving up and out. All the things analytics has done has ruined the sport of baseball. 
And, it, and it's taking jobs from people who are qualified. I'll, I'll never forget, again, coming from the New York side of things, I remember when the Yankees and Joe Girardi parted ways as him being the manager, and I was I went out on a limb and, and said, I, I would like to see Willie Randolph become the manager of the New York Willie Yankees. Willie Randolph? That's a name I haven't heard in a while. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, was close to getting the Mets to the World Series, uh, a guy that's a former Yankee, a guy that's from Brooklyn. And I remember on the Michael K show, uh, a guy that was on there saw my tweet and said, you know, they they need a guy that's in analytics. He's he he he's not a guy that yeah, but Willie Randolph wins the respect of a, of a of a clubhouse. Uh, he he he's being a former Yankee. They went out and got Aaron Boone. I don't have a problem with Aaron Boone. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes I think that the Yankees did not do as well as I thought they would have done last year. And I think you're Aaron see- Boone. I think you're seeing that trend too of going for these like the Aaron Boones the. But Dave Roberts was is another name that comes to mind for sure. the Dodgers. All these young guys, oh, guys that haven't been managers, right. guys that you're not going to have to pay a lot of money to. Mm-hmm. You're not having the big name managers anymore, the Joe Madden, so to speak, uh, as managers anymore. And uh, but by the way, uh, getting off of that, do the Cubs have a new right fielder? Who the hell is the guy playing right field for the Cubs now? Huh? Who's playing right field for the Cubs? Still Jason Hayward, isn't it? Last time oh, I checked. Well, no. Well, I saw the guy. Actually, I saw the Cub game a little bit yesterday, and I saw this guy jack a ball. And, oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean, exactly. Okay. Come I on, don't I, you know me by now? I thought I, thought I missed something. Like, no, I, I got I, a computer screen blocked, and, so I can't here. see your face. I, I would see. Make sure you're wearing your zennies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good promo. <laughs> I, I, Nicely done. I, I give props to that. <laughs> I, I would see Jason Hayward in previous years, and this is his fourth year with the Cubs now. I'd see him hit a ball because he's a guy 6'5", 240, you know, looks like a Greek god. And I'd see him hit a ball and go, oh, wow, that ball should be gone. And the ball doesn't even get close to the warning track. I saw him swing because he has a hitch in his swing. I didn't see the hitch when I saw that home run swing yesterday. I saw a short, more compact swing where he could utilize his power. He's got three homers already. He's basically... Is that three more than you expected him to have? And he's got three homers. I'm saying, is this is this finally the guy the Cubs thought they were signing three years ago? I told you. I told you so. It's about to go down. Yeah, I told you so. <laughs> I told you. Just wait and see. And you kept telling me, oh, it's oh, it's a bad signing. Well, first of all, he's won a gold glove, what, two times since well, he's been here? I don't care about the – he got – his war statistics were all from defense, not from oh, offense at all. I'm not paying attention to war. I'm going, I'm, I'm going by what, the eye but test, that's what war. Well, okay, I'm not arguing he's a great defensive player, but he, to me, before for the three years of the Cubs, he was basically a defensive replacement who was playing every day. That's what he was. Not as sure. a hitter, an offensive player, his stats did not warrant – well, I, obviously did not warrant his contract, and it did not warrant playing every day. He played every day because he had a $184 million contract. That's the only reason. Sure. Yeah, I, I, his defense has been great, and I think, he's, I, I think he's saved games with his defense. And like I said, he's, what, two-time gold glover since coming to the Cubs? I mean, At he's least. a great defensive player. I'm not going to yeah. argue that. I mean, people are saying he's maybe not quite as good as he was, but I mean, I'm not going to argue him on defense. By the way, you probably did homework for me. And yes, I did. We'll maybe do that next week because I know we're not going to have time right now. Cool, we, that we, way I can finish my homework. We had, you, can finish, you didn't have it finished, then good. My so kind of guy. Next week, for sure, we're going to talk. Well, next week, by the way, just give you a little heads up, we're going to talk about the five best Cub moves and the five worst moves, in my opinion and Nick's opinion. Uh, but we've got I think couple. the best move is trading for Jose Quintana. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, obviously we would say that Nick knows Look nothing he's talking about. <laughs> that, is, that could be on my list here. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the best move one, but uh, that could be on my list. I just uh, love getting a reaction out of him with that stuff. <laughs> so the Cubs, okay, they finally won another game yesterday. Thank God. That, cause, yeah, because otherwise if they got swept by Milwaukee, which they'd be looking at today, if they did lose yesterday, they'd be seven and a half games down at that point. Yeah. So the worst they could be is five and a half if they lose today. But... Uh, do you see the Cubs falling down, or are the Cubs going to be in a race all the year? Are they going to come back? I mean, that's a pretty brutal start, and I the bullpen know. is pretty bad, if you want to go Oh, there. the bullpen's horrendous. I mean, they sent C.J. Edwards down to AAA, which I think which needs is to be well done deserved. sooner. But, yeah, the bullpen's terrible. But I, I don't even know what's going to go on with this team. It's been eight games, and I'm sitting here already pulling my hair out. I wrote that in a column for the Phoenix this week on Wednesday. I said I was pulling my hair out. That is aging so well. So well. So well, they, they don't, don't have any 
swing and miss guys in the bullpen, basically. No. That's what it comes out to. No. And the I mean, guy there's... I would like them to bring up is Dylan Maples. I yes. Mean, he's got a wipeout slider. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he throws upper 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bring up the other guy, Alan Webster, yesterday. So I'm watching the TV on the screen on my United flight yesterday. And I see Webster come in with two men on two outs and throw a nice piece of meat right down the middle of the plate. That. Ryan Braun just posited over the wall and cut the cub lead to two runs at the time. Is that name? Yeah. Ugh. But uh, do you want to talk about it? Nah. nah we, we're, no. Thank God we're running out of time. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, literally, scoop. Thank. Uh, we literally have run out of time. We really can't talk about it, anything anymore. We're being kicked out of the studio. So for uh, this is Daryl Horowitz, Nick Schultz, our special guest. Brandon Scoop Robinson, thank you for being here today. We really enjoyed yeah, having you as a guest on the show. Enjoy. And have a good time while you're in town the rest of the time. Uh, for the Sunday Sports Shootout, 88.7 FM. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye bye. Scoop B Radio. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.